So it has been a spell since I last saw you, Alexis. How spell, are you doing? Huh? A spell. <laughs> a spell. I'm doing okay. How about you? <laughs> all right. You sound I'm like right. my grand. You sound like somebody's grandfather. It's been a spell. That's what that. It's like a halibajee statement. I thought it was you know, <laughs> hip, cool. Kept me in yeah, touch with the hip, youngins. I don't think that was hip or cool. But I like it. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while since we had a since we had a meeting, hey. Yeah, since we uh, and you look great, you sound great. As do you? How I'm exhausted, been? so yeah, yeah, oh. just busy, busy. I think for both of us, which is why we've been so uh, MIA with uh, with these podcasts, hey. Right. Yeah, and I mean it's a lot of work, and we had to take a a longer <laughs> break than we break. anticipated. <laughs> it's really uh, a lot of back. work. Yeah. Yay! And, so to tell everybody what we're expecting to do, we're expecting to come back once a month, first of every month. And um, that that's about it. There's so much more to yeah, say than that. Yeah, not much more to say than that. And we're back just in time for 4-3. So this was good timing since that's this right. is a, a big hot topic on our podcast. Yeah. So, I mean, since this is really like the first time that we've talked since yeah. then, um, what it, any changes, any differences that you've noticed with yourself or with the island? Oh, that's a one <laughs> hell of a question, Terrell. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm going to skip the uh, any changes about myself. Um, that's fine. And then, yeah, and honestly, I think with the island, I've been too too damn busy to uh, even see. Um, it seems uh, things are picking up. I saw that you posted recently that the first tourist ship came back in the first one in three years. The yeah. cruise ship. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine this summer we're either going to see a lot of people, or we're going to see less because everybody can leave the country now. It'll yeah, be interesting, just, anyways. Uh, the play, like fewer people are apparently coming. Domestic tourists yeah. are coming to the island, yeah. right? But flight tickets yep. are still astronomically expensive. Oh, unbelievable! To get off this island and get back on this island, it's yeah. crazy. I remember days when we were paying ten ten bucks. It's ridiculous. I, I don't remember it being that little, but I remember like thirty thousand. I remember it was... getting yeah thirty thousand, twenty thousand. But I've definitely scored some sale tickets way back in the day, but. I don't think yeah. you left the island as much as I did. I never left the island. No. Yeah, no, right. No, no. So <laughs> and it doesn't help yeah. that I have a fear of flying. I'm assuming no, that's, you don't. Oh, uh, well, the older I get, the more fearful I am of everything. But no, I'm okay for, you know, for the time uh, being. Well, I guess that, that is, you know, and the interesting thing about that, uh, the the cruise ship that came here was the first, it was the cruise ship that made all that noise and news back during in February 2020, because it was the one that was docked off of Japan with all the COVID cases. Oh, good Lord. Okay, right? like yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah, there yeah. was like a couple of deaths, 600 COVID cases. Yeah. And it's the same yeah. boat that just came. There's something, uh, it's it's not, there's not ironic, but it, it's not well, really like a book bookending too. It's just interesting. Something well, to note, right? I like that one. I like the bookend. Well, yeah. It's like yeah. started with and ended with. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Yeah, but it'll be interesting spring and summer for sure. Oh, for sure. And now that spring is here, we get to enjoy the the nice weather. But Love. one of the things that I started enjoying because of the burnout and the stress and blah, 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 is Jim Javons. <laughs> you like Jim Javons? I do like Jim Javons. For sure I was. I had a few friends that kept going during the pandemic, and that was a, uh -huh. that was a hell no for me. There's no yeah. way I was going into a hot, sweaty anything with other people during the pandemic. But <laughs> I, yeah, I like them. And I like JJ's. There's some nice ones here. Yeah. Do you have a preference? Do you have like a favorite? There, there was a one in uh, Noyang in Shinjeju mm -hmm. above Tom and Tom's, and it had all the rooms. It had like the jade room and the pink coral room, 
and the pizza oven room and the yeah that that was one of my favorites i think i just recently went there oh really yeah i haven't been in like i said years yeah i love like it's i used to like going with my buddy you know after drinking or yeah, yeah. you know or like you just go for a soak yeah. but now that i'm older yeah. it's a fantastic way to spend a sunday just like relaxing with your family it's yeah. great yeah and but the thing that i've noticed is like they're not popular anymore right like they're they're the, there are fewer and fewer people there that doesn't surprise me because like i said nobody you know like i certainly wasn't going during the pandemic but maybe it's just kind of like it needs to pick back up like everything else i think it's a cultural i think it's a younger cultural thing that they don't like it like not that Possibly. they don't like it but Possibly. they don't need it anymore because my mother-in-law lives at her gym jobong right yeah. and <laughs> yeah. i'm often the youngest person who goes in there that makes sense. It for, it for sure is got the uh, air of um, community. You know, mm -hmm. like I have one, I live on one street, the street right behind me has a little mini one. And mm -hmm. I always see the Ajimas walking with their, uh, you know, their plastic uh, Daiso yeah. um, basket full of their, you know, their stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But you never see anyone young, like you said. Yeah. And that leads me to the next thing, which is something that oh. I noticed. And this is my, okay. my fancy segue. Okay. <laughs> There was no children either, except for my daughter. Oh, I love that though. There was, cause you know, like back in the day when you were going, like I had one in Donum that I would go to. Mm -hmm. And I think the first time I went a couple of times and the first time I saw a student and I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. nope, never coming to this one again. Cause I don't want to, you know, hang out in <laughs> Jim Jabong where my students are. No, that's, no. that's different. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of, yeah. So I love hearing. Mm -hmm. And also I don't, not a big fan of the children. So I, right. I love hearing that there's no kids. Well, that's, that's part of, you know, like my fancy segue. It's part of the, uh, the, okay. the aging population is finally catching up on mm, Jeju since we yes. last talked. Right. Yeah. So like, since we last talked the population of Jeju has actually decreased for the first time since it hit the 700,000 mark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So because there's okay. so few births, the population has dropped down to like six, 699,000, which is still a lot. That's but, a lot. Jeju wants to be a, a province of 1.5 million and the pro right. and the population is decreasing, which I thought was interesting. Did they declare like, that? When did they say that? 1.5 million. They it's want just to be part of the plan. It's just part of the, <laughs> the plan. For There's them. no room here. There's no <laughs> places to park, but okay. Right. Good. Because like last right. year, the births on the island was only 3,600, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. There was 4,800 deaths. Right. Taking right. 2022, the second year in a row for a loss of like where the second year in a row where there has been a loss in births on Jeju. Now, how many foreigners or non-Koreans do you think are live on the island? Because that was also oh, part just, of the recent numbers. I just saw a yeah, I got I won't be able to, you know me in numbers. I don't remember, but I did just remember someone posted it and I remember oh, reading. Yeah. But I can't remember. Go ahead, hit me with oh. your facts. Oh, you ruined the game. It's tw it's twenty one thousand six hundred and eighty three. Twenty one thousand six hundred and eighty three. Okay. Interesting, huh? I like. It. Yeah, that's a lot. It's hard to kind of visualize yeah. though. Like I it can't is, really, really do much is. with that. No. Yeah. And most of them, and there was no breakdown of the the numbers. Actually, oh, there wasn't. Yeah, uh, because there wasn't a like where they were from or like, because probably uh, a lot of them are uh, migrant workers. Of course. You know, and there's only a handful of us who are not. Um, mm -hmm. But I always think that's kind of neat to know how many are here and how oh, many, agreed. You know, 
Agreed. Yeah. So on on that note, shall we <laughs> go do our, our Jeju dialogue corner? Say Let's hi. Let's get to some Julia learning. Here. Let's get some learning on. It is so good to see you, Ju Young. Welcome back. We have another lesson, Jeju dialect corner. It's you look great. It's good to have you back, and we've missed you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been <laughs> it's been forever. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I missed you, and I missed your show, and I'm really great grateful mm. that I can be back for the Jeju uh, dialect lesson. Well, it wouldn't be me, you, and Jeju without you. So thank you. You know, so how have you been in this long, unfortunate hiatus? How have you been? Well, uh, same old, same old. Picking up ocean trash and (laughs) surfing, skateboarding, Uh snowboarding, you know, anything on on a board. Is that a new, like, thing that you've discovered? Your love of boards? No, not. Well, I uh, went snowboarding first time like 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. I broke my tailbone. Oh. So, yeah, it took me, <laughs> it took me yeah, some, some time to. <laughs> but skateboarding, yeah, yeah. I, um, it's first time actually. Yeah. I mean, that cover boarding, I have been coverboarding, you know, you know, like land surfing thing. Like yeah, longboarding? No, not longboard, but it's just different. So, okay. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, it's just regular skateboard. Yeah, I just uh, started learning last mm. year, the end, the end of last year. Yeah. Mm. How are you doing? Not bad. <laughs> oh good. I'm glad to hear it. No no major falls, your tailbone's still intact. Yeah, yeah, safe, safe. Safe. Okay. Yeah. Where's your favorite place to skateboard? Oh, actually there's really cool place down in Jungmun. It's called Pipeline. Pipeline, yeah. So, yeah, the owner, I know him cuz you know, he's just surfer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I went I I go there down there. Oh. Yeah. Really, I went once. I took my daughter when they first opened. Oh. Yeah, and she was young, and she was way too young to uh, <laughs> try. And I've always wanted to skateboard, yeah. and so I tried. You should try now, yeah. yeah I was very unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> I was very unsuccessful. Um, and it, I was reminded of my failure for days afterwards because I... I, I hurt my hip pretty, I smacked oh, it pretty oh. good. Um, I like to skate, like yeah. ice skating, rollerblading, you know, that's that's where I feel comfortable. But I never, mm-hmm. I never grew up, uh, you know, uh, surfing or skateboarding. But what about surfing? Jungmoon as well is your favorite place? Yes. Mm. On Jeju, yes. <laughs> are, are you surfing now? Yeah, I mean, I uh, surfed a lot last year mm-hmm. and this year i i think i won iho and Wuljong. Wuljong, you could go to Wuljong now and surf yeah but uh now the current is changing yeah so, isn't it iho uh, you have to go to iho right it's nowadays it's sometimes iho sometimes mm. jungmun mm. so it's the jungmun season is coming up right yeah and jeju and weather on jeju is so warm that you can literally surf 
all year as long as you have like a decent wetsuit? In I mean on Jeju? Yeah, on Jeju. Yeah. Year round? No, I I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is uh-huh. there is the surf, but uh-huh. the, the usually usually the the winter season the surf is not that good. Uh-huh. Very choppy and windy and you know. Cold. So and uh, yeah, cold too. Yeah. <laughs> so, thinking of the speaking of the water, how about uh, you have a, a new word for us today? Yes, I uh, have a word for you guys. You guys have heard uh, about Henya, which is a uh, woman dive, diver, mm-hmm. right? Woman divers, yeah. Yeah, woman diver, yeah. yeah. Uh, designated as UNESCO Heritage. And um, they, you know, whenever they uh, dive, you know, like before diving in, they always hold their breath, like as much they can, mm. and then go diving, right? And then try to ca- collect, I don't know, abalone, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soda, I don't know what soda is in English. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> yeah, soda, you know, tonge. Uh-huh. Um, and then as they coming up, you know, resurfacing, surfacing, you know, they are almost out of breath, right? And then right after they came out of water, they breathe out really slowly and low, slowly. Mm -hmm. And usually they make um, the sound, whistle sound. Mm -hmm. And we call it Sunbi Sori. Sunbi. Sunbi Sori. Sunbi Sori. So right. everyone, you know, we have, we we all have different voices, you know. Mm-hmm. So every Hanyo has different Sunbi Sori. So you can recognize your friend. It's like, oh, she just, you know, came out of the water, you know. It's like that. So... It's good to know. <laughs> and next time you came to come to Jeju Island, if you see uh, woman divers, you know, working in the water, just go close and closer and listen to, you know, their sound. That's beautiful. I didn't even think that they would have their own distinct sunbi sori. I mean, it makes sense. We all have our own voices. Actually. Actually, it, I read that in uh, in the novel, you know. Um, the Island of Sea Women, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if that's true. I, <laughs> I think we should maybe go investigate. Like, yeah, maybe we should <laughs> confirm that. Yeah. The, but, um, yes, you've, you've heard them. You've heard the Sumbi Sori yeah. before, right? Yeah. yeah. So have I. How do you, do you know, how do they do that? Because it, it's not like they don't, it's part of their breathing technique to hold their breath for such a long period of time it's not like you know they do it for fun it's part of that how do they do that when you dive and coming up the out of the water and dive again Mm -hmm. you know if you repeat that you have to control your breath so you have to uh when you breathe in you don't want to but slowly 
you know, and when you breathe out as well, you don't want to go like, ah. mm. so I think that otherwise you get dizzy, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, that's interesting. I'll look into that for the next time we, mm-hmm. we talk because yeah. like, I'd like to know, I've known, I've known of the sound. I've always been curious about like, why do they specifically like, what is the benefit or possibly there might be some disadvantages to it too. I don't know. Or just natural. Yeah, we're just yeah, like, natural thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't uh, necessarily whistle every time I, I, I breathe out. And though, also, so. if you have any Henya friend, ask them. So there's like specific word for, um, you know, like uh, Henya. They uh, even when they are pregnant they you know go diving right so back in the days a lot of pregnant uh women divers they gave birth in the water and there's a specific word referring to that baby oh yeah and i actually knew that but forgot about forgot uh, that word and today i was like you know, texting here and there, but I couldn't. That's a good word. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's such a, like that word in itself, you know, it contains like a story, yeah. you know, about a, that's awesome. And, uh, well, there's a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, it was Patagonia documentary. Right. It came out a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, a woman from Hawaii uh, came to Jeju. Mm-hmm. She went to Biangdo, Halim, Biangdo. Mm-hmm. The island there. Yeah. yeah. They talk about, you know, like pregnancy and baby and stuff like right, that. Right, because she was pregnant and the, 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 the Hawaiian woman was also pregnant. Yeah. And they talked about how, you know, in the water, you know, like out of the water, you know, like you, you feel the gravity, you know, like you have huge stomach and you feel the gravity but like as soon as you get in the water mm-hmm. you know you get i don't know like kind of feel free right the, 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 yeah yeah i did an article a couple of years back a couple of years back like last year year mm-hmm. ago about a woman who was in researching the henial for genetics mm-hmm. just, oh, i was going to talk about that actually that was in the novel as well no what? No, I haven't read the novel. Oh, I hope not because yeah. I wrote about it a year ago. I don't, I don't know if it would be in the novel. Because, you know, Henya can, you know, can be in the water, cold water for a long time. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, no, that's true. That, that, yeah. That's been known that Henya are, in, are divers that dive in the coldest of waters that we know of. I mean, like in the a, winter and stuff. Imagine, like, you know, like back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. Henya went to, Russia, you know, Japan, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and they didn't have Western. Yeah, they had yeah, this white cloth, this, like, thing, you know, yeah. or whatever. And it's crazy to yeah. think that, yeah. Yeah, and so they may have uh, developed the genetic mm. uh, ability to withstand cold water, partially mm-hmm. because they, the women that I interviewed hypothesized yeah. it has to do with the fact that they dived while pregnant. 
that may have uh, an issue, like have a over generations and stuff affect oh. the fetus and may allow them to sustain for possibly also to hold their breath for long periods of time so they can produce the beautiful sunbi <laughs> sori. Can we okay, quickly. We've gone so much longer. Alexis is going to be so mad at us. But sunbi sori. Yes. Sori means sound. Yes. Sunbi means I don't actually teach <laughs> Right, but sunbi is the Jeju Saturi part of it, yes. the Jeju dialect part yeah. of it, because sori is just sound, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you say oh. it for us one more time? Sunbi sori. Sunbi sori. It's so good to see you. Good to see you too. Talk to you again soon. And that was another segment with our teacher, Ju Young Han. Thank you so much. And it's so good to see her again. It was unfortunate you weren't there, but there'll be more to come yeah. in the future. Now, Definitely. With, as you said at the start of the episode, Sasam, Jeju 4-3, Jeju Massacre, Jeju Incident, uh, the 75th anniversary is on the horizon. Mm. And mm -hmm. I kind of took the opportunity recently and not to pump my own tires or you, well you should because it was good so go ahead pump, pump. Uh, wait, wait 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 that's not the phrase pump your own tires toot my own horn toot yeah. my own horn who says pump my own tires uh, like i said in the last that's episode, like a, that's like a chore that's a <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a chore not like a uh, pat myself on the back sort of thing okay but go ahead toot your own horn yeah, so I, I took the opportunity uh, to interview Hyung Kiyang, who's the author uh -huh. of Suni Sanchum, which so is cool that you got to meet him. Oh, Sorry, did we need to? That's okay. So cool. Uh, I, it's the second time I've met him, but yeah, I kind of yeah. like I, I've been wanting to interview him for a while. So let me just go through the story. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, go through, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I wrote the article because it's the 45th anniversary of the publication mm. of the short story, and that he wrote. Yeah, yeah. He wrote it in September of 1978, mm -hmm. not 48. And oh, its publication is credited as being the first public reference to the massacre. Right. And uh, a very interesting book that I encourage everyone to read because it's a story about a man who returns back to Jeju mm -hmm. after eight years away for Jesa, which is like the memorial ceremonies that people hold. So he, was coming, he was coming to be with his family and say goodbye to his his, yeah. you know, like a memorial for his ancestors. And yeah. then. And so everybody gets together and he's from Bukchong. Yeah. Well, he's not from Book. He's from the town that's inspired by Bukchong Ri. Right. Which is where the largest incident, uh, death incident massacre happened during 4-3. And during this, he finds out that one of his distant relatives had passed away, died by suicide. Mm. And the whole story the present, the whole story is broken up into two. One is a conversation between the relatives about what should be done about mm. the massacre. How do you remember it? How mm. it's under oppression because nobody was allowed to talk about it at that time. What and how do you deal with and how do you deal with the the scars of Sasan when you're living with your with your murderers? Like one of right. his relatives is actually a member of the Northwest Youth League, who. Mm which are like credited with being the most brutal of those killed. The other half of the story is a retelling of the uh, Bukchong massacre. Right. And I, and it's credited as being the first story, first reference of the massacre that kind of galvanized the movement or sparked the right. movement to uncover the truth about what happened. And eventually right. the apology of uh, 
uh, President Romu Young in slowly, slowly led to the apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just to remind everyone, this book, this uh, the author Daryl was referencing. This book was again. This was written uh, published in seventy eight. Am I correct? Seventy eight. Yeah, so it's right yeah. here. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so and it was published in September of 1978, and then it came yeah. out in a short story for and in a short collection of short stories right. the next year. And after right. its publication, he was arrested and tortured and beaten for and, having written it and published it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, the article, your article, Daryl, you toot your horn as much as you want because it was it was really well written. And first of all, I, I just think it's so cool you got to sit face to face with that dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so much history, just yeah. his history alone. Never mind the history that he was tackling in his stories. You know. Yeah. Um, but not only did you kind of like get to talk to him, but I thought you did a great job. Um, and I encourage everyone to go read it. I thought you did a good job again laying out the very complicated and very confusing history mm-hmm. of 4-3. So I thought you did a good job. It was really, it was, like, yeah, it was oh, great. Thank you. I, I appreciate you for taking the time to read it. It was, yeah. I'm really, like, I was glad to see him because I wanted to, because it's the 45th anniversary. So it's to do something like this, you need uh, an event like the 45th anniversary to write it because otherwise it's not yeah. newsworthy yeah. for something like my news organization. So I took that right. opportunity to do it. But it was 45th anniversary for his book, and we're coming up on the 70, 75th anniversary of 4-3. So yeah. just not to confuse those two significant numbers. Yeah. And yeah. um I took him to a cafe, random cafe mm-hmm. in JGC, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that was near where he was he's staying. He doesn't live here most of the time. Right. And the cafe is this beautiful, like concrete and glass structure that's built over this antique Jeju house. Uh, and it's just a skeleton oh. of it left. So you're inside the cafe, but you, when you're inside the cafe, you're in this like wooden beam skeleton mm. of this house that was built. Are we allowed to re- what is the name of this? I can't remember the name, but I, oh, I'll post it below. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, it was beautiful. And the owners, well, during the interview, the owners came up and just so happened to be distant relatives of Hyung Kyung. Oh. Yeah. Hyung Kyung didn't know them, but they knew him yes. because, you know, so, of course, famous and it's in your family right. line and stuff. Right. So, and I, I wanted to, oh, keep, I couldn't wow. include that. I couldn't include that in the piece, but that's, like yeah, everybody on Jeju knows everybody, right? Yes, especially when you're not, you know, not a recent transplant. When you're part of the old crowd, yeah, yeah. of course. And the ties are between the villages and everything, mm. of course. Yeah, and, yeah. And t- to me, that it's like that's one of the reasons, well, not maybe not a reasons, but it, it's it's that's sort of integral to to the massacre itself is because. It was perpetrated by people from the mainland who didn't understand the people that lived here and the connections between all the people mm. that lived here mm. because mm. people were slaughtered for helping out those that had escaped to the mountains. Right. But they don't realize that like they're not just they're not just neighbors. They're like old generational family and like old generation neighbors and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, it was just a, a really interesting conversation with him. We talked a lot about his legacy and. Cause I don't know when I'm he's, get he's getting older him. now. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he now? 89? 82. 82. 82. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he's coming up with yeah. a new book about Sassam this shortly. Jeez. Oh, Good so, Lord. Really? Yeah. Good for him. What's did he tell you? Was he able, were you able to like get some insider scoop on what it's going to. Oh, not so. Uh, well, I didn't want to, I didn't know how much time I had with him. Right. So I don't want to. So you're like, like, let's, 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 let's get talk busy. About yeah, we, yeah. 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 
Yeah, to yeah. stick on topic because yeah. I need to make sure I can produce something. Right, right, right. Your article, yeah. yeah. Well, having said that, you you were like, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to read the story. Is it published in different languages? Oh, it's story. in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in English. I'm sure it's published in different languages. My yeah. dog's going crazy in the background. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, my cats are also. Yeah, well, you know, we have house. We have busy households. It is what it is. No worries. Yeah, so easy for people to get a hold of. We'll post. Uh, Maybe we can post like some links to access it pretty easily on whatever Naver or sure. Amazon or whatever. Yeah. 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 Did you have yeah. any questions about it before we get on to our next segment? No, I do actually. Well, it's all these random things, right? Sure. So when he was coming out with this, one of my favorite part of the articles was that uh, as, as most, it's not as if he knew a lot of the history. Mm-hmm. But one of the cooler parts that I thought of the story um, before it turned dark and, you know, he got mm-hmm. arrested was that he ended up uh, rooming, randomly rooming mm-hmm. with um, a, a man, a young, a young man from Bukchan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they still friends? He died. He passed away mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. He did, um, yeah. Or yeah. did they maintain friendship, uh, you know, as the book got popular and as mm. he then was tortured? You know what I mean? Was yeah. there any talk about that friendship or that relationship? Well, unfortunately, the man died a couple of years ago is what okay, uh, Young okay. Kyung told me. But, I, you know, okay. I didn't know too much about the, their friendship, but obviously he, they had right. some sort of relationship because he knew he had passed away. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and he also, inter- like, he took him to the village to introduce him to all the people. There, right. You know, he that's- did, I mean, he... Yeah, he really, really went out of his way. And so then when the author, I, you know, I, I guess you probably don't know, but I was just mm-hmm. curious reading it, like, you know, referencing then he got arrested and really, really badly tortured. Yeah. But did he, did the other man also face discrimination? Do we know anything about that? So, uh, no, that didn't come up at all, but I highly doubt okay. it because he didn't reference him or any of the people by name. Okay, right? okay, so like, okay. One of the things that I, I asked was, and I asked him and I asked the uh, the publishers, uh, did 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 the publisher get in trouble? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I, and I tried to get information about like from the publisher, like what happened? Like, how did the right. story get up? Like, how did you were you worried? You know, I How'd asked him all, these, with it? all the, those sort of tension type questions, but nobody at the publishing house still knew. Uh, right and like that would make a good story yeah that's that part of history is like not there but yeah young told me that the publisher um beck i can't remember his name right now but i can Mm. it's in the story he was an american educated elite and the Park Chung Hee administration was like American pro-American administration Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that was an inability to little leeway huh yeah, yeah, to crack down on them, but they, yeah. they took it out on Hong Kiang instead. Yeah, I mean the the story itself uh, and the book itself really took on a life of itself. Uh, like, why do I keep saying itself? Uh, took on a life of its own mm-hmm. um, with people literally photocopying it and distributing it by themselves. Yeah, that's wild, right? Like- yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. They were like, "Well, we are going to." Mm-hmm. you know, share this information and just kind of put it down and copy it and go. Yeah, I would love to have seen a copy, like if one of those Xerox copies still exists, right? Right. right. I even asked the publishing house, like, do you have a photo of the, or image of the, the Some, cover yeah. of that issue? Something, something yeah. that I can yeah, put some, in yeah, the yeah. article. They didn't have anything. They oh, didn't wow. Have- 
so much loss. And did he didn't have any of that still, any of those things still, I guess. Oh, he may have. I just didn't want to yeah. bother him to, to yeah. bring it down yeah. from Seoul. I was just precious, locking. precious time, yeah, to spend with yeah. him. I was just happy to see him. Yeah, like we I had two, two and a half hours, two hours. So there's a lot That's amazing that I didn't get to include in the article. Like I asked him about the inspiration, like because I'm a want to be fiction writer too so i had all these like fiction questions for him like where did the mm-hmm. inspiration come mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or suni sam chong and who's uh the titular character of the story who dies by suicide her name mm-hmm, is suni Sancho. Mm-hmm. and he was telling me you know that character is based on like a family relative of his own who oh. so because the more i started talking to him the more i realized that the story is kind of about him very much he loosely is, based on yeah he is the main character in many ways because it he it happened that the main character would have been about the same age as him when he wrote the story, which right. is happens. And uh not that he was a businessman in Seoul, but I just noticed that there were some connections between him and the main character, which is makes sense. Yes, of course. Um, yeah. But does yeah. he yeah? Does he were when you were interviewing him? Did you have a translator? Yes. Yeah, I have yeah. I have my, my trusty translator who's nice does all my sasam stuff with me. Yeah, she's like my partner in crime on this. Yeah. That was really know. good. Yeah. So when with something like the 75th anniversary coming up, does uh-huh. he often get invited and included in these ceremonies? I mean, is he an integral mm-hmm. part? Um, do we know much about you know, that? I've never it's seen hard, him first of all, it's hard to get invites yeah. to any of those things, I'll just say. Yeah. But oh. yeah. Oh, oh. oh you got invited since you I'm going. I'm going. Um, you need to invite your partner on the podcast, don't you think? <laughs> I think Are you so. able to go? I have, I'm 100 percent able to go. I have to go so, for work. Let's, but we let's can talk roll. about that after. Yeah, let's after. talk about that after. <laughs> um, he he does a lot of stuff with the foundation. I don't know if he comes to the events. That event itself. Yeah. But yeah, because like, you reference in the article, he's still working with the four three foundation. Yeah, and he recently handed out like some uh, literary award. They give a, a literary award oh, every year, yeah. and he he did that with the foundation. So he's, he's okay. still active, and he's still writing about it, right? So right, he's right. still active in different realms. But this this sort of event that's coming up and 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 April third is more for not that he's not a victim's family, but the they go. It's uh, yes. it's a very dignified dignitary thing yes, where yes. they go there and they pay their respects to the the tombs that are there mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the president's i don't think president yoon's coming this year he came last no. year yeah um, very interesting decision by the way i think we can reference that very yeah. interesting decision for him not to come yeah uh, for I, the 75th I, yeah i haven't looked into why he's not coming yet i mean there's oh. something he might not even be here he might be in a yeah. different country or japan yeah, which yeah. may not be an, an excuse for some people to yeah to but yeah and i honestly don't know how i feel about it but that's it, it is what it is we'll see who, right um who does who does get yeah yeah and so so there's going to be speeches it's it's usually pretty much it's going to be the, like, the same thing sort of that they yeah, do every year. yeah yeah it yeah. might be the first large event again since covid right they've been doing it very small in the last few years yeah. this, and they usually have 10,000 people there. Like it's a lot of people that come to this event. Wow. And uh, for the next podcast, I'll have, I'll, like, I'll have to, I'll be writing something about it for my news org. Yeah. Uh, so we can, yeah. For that. And then we can, we can talk about the stuff that doesn't get involved in again. Cause that's some, right. something so more interesting, you know, than necessarily what needs to be preserved. 
right it's all it's an addition yeah but having said that we should probably in this episode we should maybe Mm. reference some of our past episodes where do you do you have do you remember the numbers on those (laughs) because you know i don't Oh, we have special primers that we're going to be posting again. In yeah, the, yeah. Uh, so either go back and see them in our YouTube channel, but I, if not, you can listen to them. I'll be reposting them yeah. in the podcast feed, so they'll come up on April third again. And yeah. there are a two-part primer on the history of the JJ Massacre. That's part one, and part two is sort of the uh, after effects of the massacre. The 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 journey to truth mm-hmm. and reconciliation that mm-hmm. it ends with the apology of Romihan and includes uh interview with two academics who study political apologies. Right, and it right. also encompasses Sunni Samchon as well. It does, yeah. yeah. Really important listens, I think, for anyone that's living on the island to know more mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, what you're living amongst and, you know, the land you're living on. And then yeah. for those that don't live here, just some fascinating and sad and horrible pieces of history yeah um that has just been glossed over you know in all these years so really good listens for anyone that's a, a little bit of a history buff i think and, and the thing about suny samson that i would suggest people to read is how contemporary the conversations people have in the book about what to do with it how to remember okay. how to right. treat like they they talk they discuss about you know holding people accountable arresting them um mm-hmm. and what the massacre actually is what caused it and does it really matter at this point to know which kind of leads up into our interview we were fortunate enough to snag an interview with Jungmin Kim uh the lead correspondent for NK News yeah. and editorial director of South Korea Pro concerning recent scandals uh about <laughs> a sole politician kind of co- Causing Referencing, huge waves. yeah, yeah, causing big waves. So, with the 75th anniversary of the Jeju massacre on the horizon, a recent scandal has actually come to our shores from Seoul, which doesn't usually happen. Now, to explain this recent conver- uh, this recent controversy involving Jeju 43, we have lead correspondent for NK News and editorial director at Korea Pro, Jungmin Kim with us today to talk about it. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, so nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all followers of you on Twitter. We, we're, <laughs> we're big fans. Uh, thank you. Uh-huh. So generous. <laughs> I also, I, I'm a fan of your cat. I'll just put that out there. I He's love right it. there. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Maybe we can put him on screen. Part of the Twitter, tw- the Twitter fandom. Yeah. <laughs> so before we gush more over uh, you and how much we appreciate your content, uh, you recently mm-hmm. wrote an article for NK News about this recent scandal. Could you like walk us through exactly what happened? Well, this happened during the run-up to the uh, the big election at the People Power Party, which was actually yesterday. Uh, People Power Party was holding uh, two elections. One was for the party leadership and one was for what they call Supreme Council. It's a very high-profile, high-level decision-making body in the party, and it means a lot for the lawmakers. So what the lawmakers usually do is they go to um, provinces, cities outside Seoul, to uh, meet their supporters and conduct speeches, um, sometimes um, catering to the to the audience of that specific area. And defector lawmaker Taeyong Ho, he is the lawmaker that represents a very affluent uh, district, Gangnam, in Seoul. Mm. And he went to Jeju um, as part of his 
um, election uh, election activities. And he went there to make a speech. But right before he done that, he went to the memorial altar for the victims of the Jeju massacre. And he kneeled down and he uh, and apparently he said a few words at the altar that he shared afterwards on his personal Facebook page and reporters wrote about it. And that enraged a lot of victims' families and a lot of activist groups as well. Um, for because of the content of the of his remarks, he was saying that um, as someone who used to work for the Kim Il-sung family regime of North Korea, um, which he referred to, who were the prime movers in the Jeju April 3 incident, I hereby kneel down to ask for forgiveness to all of the victims who were unjustly sacrificed and their bereaved families. So this is a very loaded sentence. Mm -hmm. And after he apologized for his former government, um, the 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 involvement of communist party in the in the history of the massacre it's already a very very sensitive issue very, especially yes. for the victim's family and for him to say that um, without much context um, in Jeju at the altar, it brought a lot of attention from South Korean media um, and afterwards because he got so much criticism um, he he tried to explain what he meant by it and he was using the other election speeches in Jeju and in other places as well to say that he actually learned that in North Korea when he was a student and that he actually believes that. And he was giving his version of what he knows as history um, to South Korean supporters, which wasn't received well from both end of uh, both aisles of the party, it seems. I thought that was really interesting. We, there's so much to talk about, but just that last part of your um, uh, your your introduction, where he talked about that he went to school, and that's mm. the, that he he's like basically saying, I learned this from my textbooks in North Korea, where I went to university. Mm. So he really like put another stamp on it, kind of saying, no, 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 really, really, this is what I learned. This is what I believe. Well, and also you cannot really verify that unless you also worked or uh, studied in North Korea. And actually, Chu Sung-ha, another uh, high-profile defector in Seoul who is currently a reporter at a major news outlet, he actually went on, I think, radio interview and said that although he was also living in Pyongyang, he has never learned that. But it is true that North Koreans use that as a propaganda to show that there were actual loyalists in South Korea during the state-building period for Kim Il-sung, which is true. But mm -hmm. he was saying that it's more of a subtle matter, that it's not in like textbook textbook, but that maybe some elite people learn about that as part of propaganda. Yeah. Um, and afterwards, Taeyong wrote multiple statements um, explaining um, what he meant by it. He said that he's not saying um, that the government and the state violence is something to forgive. It, he said that uh, recognizing that plus how there were communist instruction directly for Kim Il-sung, that he thinks that both things has to be recognized. Mm -hmm. um, and he doubled down on that, basically, after even after criticism. Yeah, I think yeah. he even had another press conference, didn't he, on February, another February 15th, maybe? Yeah, no, he was referred to the Ethics Committee over, but he also had another press conference, I believe, where he, like you said, doubled down and said, no, the instructions for the uh, uprising on April 3rd came from directly from Pyongyang, which is wild accusation. Like, it's wild to think of that because of the implications of it, you know. Um, what was your first response when you when you heard this, when you were, like, tasked with covering it? Well, when um, 
that because I know um, the, the the lawmaker lawmaker Taeyong Ho, Congressman Taeyong Ho, like um, I have known him for many years, and uh, like looking at him from press point of view, um, looking looking at how he conducts election procedures, I don't think he, for from my perspective, it seemed like he actually meant it. Um, it seemed like he actually meant to apologize. Sincere. He, wanted, he sincerely wanted to somehow apologize. Of course, okay. there's a strategy attached to it because mm. maybe he, from his point of view, he thought that apologizing will make sense um, as someone who wants Jeju votes. But then the problem is mm. um, the history is very, very complicated. Um, especially if you look at the um, the investigation report from the early 2000s, they do mention the South Korean South Korea chapter of the Workers Party, <clears throat> um, but it, because yes, <laughs> the manual but, yes, but because it's a it's such a controversial topic. There's an entire chapter in the investigation dedicated to whether or not there were direct instructions from the headquarters of the. South Korea chapter of the Workers' Party Korea or the or Pyongyang. And investigation concluded that there's not so, no solid evidence that there was direct instruction. Um, but uh, during his multiple statements afterwards, Taeyong Ho was saying um, he was, along with how he was taught about Kim Il-sung's involvement as uh, on Jeju incident, he said that Kim Il-sung ordered on all people uprising at the time in general, which is true. Um, and the Workers' Party of South Korea's Namjoseon Rodongdang Jeju chapter, following such instruction, also led armed rebellion in Jeju, mm. was his claim. Mm -hmm. And he said that um, because he saw so many criticism, he said that all I asked for was forgiveness from the innocent victims that were cruelly murdered. And he was saying, I hope they take my apology as offered with a pure heart and sincerity right. um, and not use it politically. But then when a politician says something, everything is used politically. And I think he knew that. Um, uh, and of course, it's got a lot of accusations um, of um, distorting history from the Democratic Party. And also, interestingly, even his own colleagues in the People Power Party. That was an interesting part of your article when you mentioned how not, no one wanted to side with him for in this particular incident. Do you think that because we sort of talked about the politics, like I said, we have so much to talk about. But do you think that he is uneducated about JG43 in in how do I say this in total? Well, I think maybe um I'm, well, first of all, I think in, even in just in South Korea, not everybody has read exactly. the entire investigation report. And exactly. also not to mention that in the textbooks, like like I've learned in high school, you, you only see it in one page. So nobody really knows clearly about the mm -hmm. details of the history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's really easy to just get into like bits of information that um, are in media and try to match those together. And I think that mm. is what may have happened to him. Maybe he didn't read the entire investigation report or and or because it was under the progressive government, he maybe thought it was um, there were inappropriate um, investigation results in the report. Maybe he thought okay. that. And I think he was insinuating about that. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of. Um, I, I wouldn't say issues with the, the the investigation result itself, but it is very dense and very complicated with 
Um, and the fact that we don't have an official title for the Jeju Massacre and or Jeju Sasam because we don't fully understand what it is. Right? Exactly. Like, so I think part of this amorphous place that we are with the history of what it is contributes to people, you know, distorting history. And that's partially because people don't fully know what it is when in English. I follow all the a lot of conversations about Sasam uh, mm -hmm. online, and uh, I've said this before that the main reason way people talk about it has nothing to do with Jeju or the survivor. It has to do with the political implications of it. A lot of people mm -hmm. want to uh, use it to uh, bash the United States or to you know either pro North Korea in some ways, um, but it's never really about the 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 nuanced issues that are involved in it and i think that's sort of why we we, we still get into this situation where we don't really know what ha what happened it's being politically pulled in so many different ways like years ago i did a story about how the museum has been sued a dozen times yeah. over information that could be incorrect in it or maybe not incorrect but not given as much of attention as other aspects of it. And when I interviewed people there, they're like, yeah, there's, you know, like those things did happen, right? So there's, there is this uncertainty about really what happened on Jeju 75 years ago. And I think that's really the crux of... I think that's a of, good way to say it. Uncertainty is a really good word. Yeah, well, I mean, how we only started investigating it in, in truth 25 years ago, but, but more than that now because it's 2023 <laughs> but like you know after Sudi Sam Chung came out then then we started uh, the, the movement in 1970 uh 1978 the movement to start uncovering the truth of what happened a lot can be lost or misinterpreted and you know or because of how complicated it is it's easy to pick and choose what information you want mm -hmm. to, to prove your points now and that's yeah no continue I think that's why it's it's being um, it's studied uh, extensively by uh, academics who look at memory politics, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not just about um, finding documents that can reveal so-called facts about what happened decades ago. It's also about how it's being remembered, how it's being framed, oh, yeah, yeah. how it's used in contemporary politics. That's why this case of the congressman is very interesting. It's, yeah. Um, it's, it was a state building period. There was no North Korea or South Korea. It was, there, it was at the verge of being created. And from just ordinary people's perspective who lived in Jeju at the time or anywhere else on the Korean peninsula, it's unclear who the enemy is and who the mm. government is, who the power is, who's on my side, who's the enemy. It's very unclear. And from their point of view, just violence is violence. And they want to do something about it. So retrospectively... Um, interpreting that part of the history always has to be, it cannot not be political. That's why politicians have to be careful about it because it uh, reproduces a certain way of seeing a very uncertain era from contemporary point of view, where now we have North Korea and South Korea, we know what communism is and we apparently we hate it because, <laughs> it, we, because we are past that state building period now and apparently democracy won. But... Um, it was a different time at the time. So it's really retrospectively creating um, a type of memory. So I think that's yeah. why 
politicians from both ends in South Korea were being very, very careful responding to Congressman Tae's comment. Yeah, that's a good. Well, I interviewed somebody recently, a couple couple weeks back, who was uh, in Jungmoon. I do a lot of research about Jungmoon, and that's exactly what he said. He said there was a North Korean or a communism rally on mm. in Jungmoon uh, at that time, but nobody knew what they were rallying for. Mm. It was a and, and I think that is. Is, is such an interesting point because a lot of people might ignore the fact that these rallies happened completely because they don't want to connect it with to communism. Mm. But yet a lot of people who have t- spoken to me, they say they had no idea what was going on. They yes. had no idea what communism was, not really what democracy was. They were actually too busy just trying to survive the exactly. famine and cholera and everything else that was stricken and going on on the island at that time. So, so, but you mentioned this. Hey, Daryl, can I? I, yeah. I want to interrupt you just for the. I always uh, for the common listener. When you say they didn't know what was going on at the time, are you saying we now, looking back, can't can't say what the rally was for, or that the people around were not aware what the rally was for? Can you clarify that? Well, we know what communism is now, right? right. And back then, and what it means in a South in a Korean context, in a Korean Peninsula concept. Back then, they didn't, right? North Korea, the communism in itself doesn't have, didn't have this negative connotations it has now to in a dem- democratic lens, right? Mm-hmm. So to and having a rally at you know and not really sure what it is, it's a political rally. I I would probably go out and see what it is. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah. you know, maybe some people truly understood what communism was that was like spearheading this thing. But, you know, not everybody. Most gotcha. of them probably okay. didn't. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then that goes into, you know, Jungmin, one of the things I was curious about having read your article is what exactly do you think that the Jeju people were so upset about being mm-hmm. linked? What what is it that the feeling was that they there was this, this outcry against him? That's actually what I wanted to ask you, Beyond yeah, Dan yeah. and Jeju. I was actually curious, but there mm-hmm. were a few um, Victims' Family Association um, that came to Seoul to protest against that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reviewed what they were saying. It seems like um, I, they were actually referring back to the investigation report. They were saying that it was already concluded that there was no direct instruction to the rally um, from the headquarters of the of the Workers' Party Korea, and now you're revising that revisionist view of the history, basically. I think mm-hmm. that part was um, officially what they were mad about, distorting history. But then if you think about it from family's point of view, if anyone lived in Jeju at the time, they would have been infe- um, impa- impacted. And to say that it was instructed directly by Kim Il-sung, even if they call them, even if you call them victims, mm-hmm. um, it creates a weird dynamics where you start thinking, oh, so people said yes to a communist rally, and that makes it difficult for the families to explain to others um, what happened and why. So I think they were upset partly because of that. And another part was um, how it was used politically um, from, from gotcha. Congressman Tab because he was visiting the island for the votes. He was going mm. there for the election. And to choose that um, as his talking point, I think that was also upsetting just for Jeju people in general as well. 
Um, and Democratic Party, of course, um, they also used a it wrote a statement that was um, yeah, they, they wrote a statement saying that Congressman Tay, you have to stop using the propaganda tactics that you learned in thought- Korea. Yep. Um, they said that, so they went for that angle. Really, they um, dropped that word real quick, yeah. real quick. <laughs> so if let let's think about this for a second. If it had been actually sent from North Korea as a message to conduct that attack, what would that mean? If there was a direct instruction. Yeah. If if Kim Il Sung ordered that attack on April third, nineteen forty-eight, to attack the uh you know the the play the the polling stations and the government officials and all that kind of stuff from my point of view, it really doesn't change anything that much from uh when you look at it from the perspective of how kim Il-sung wanted a separate korea in the northern part of the peninsula it doesn't mm. change anything about that right. it always had that motivation and that's why people talk about how there was an upcoming election in south korea and they'd like to link to that but it does change things from how it's being remembered because from because it makes it into a very black and white sort of picture. Mm. Um, from people's point of view, they they had many many things to rally about, not just about not just because uh, some supreme leader gave them instruction. Can yes. uh, this is this is my possible thought of what that might change, mm. um, and feel free to to disagree, but if. North Korea did, if not even North Korea, if Kim Il-sung did give that order and they did respond with such a strong reaction that resulted in the deaths of 30,000, the the South Korean government responded with that reaction that resulted in the deaths of 30,000 people, wouldn't that potentially, that piece of knowledge potentially somewhat, not justifies the wrong word, but it would... um, take a little bit away of the guilt away potentially from the government for the deaths of the people because it was literally the beginning it would literally be the beginning of the north korea, of the korean war which some so like scholars taking it out of their hands right i think first part of the i, I guess the first few days of the mm-hmm. intervention might be justified but from my point of view it doesn't change anything right about how there was state violence against people afterwards, um, after that few days that they wanted to get rid of potential spies or potential Communist Party vanguards. It doesn't change the fact that they continued that for years. Right. But what what I mean, I'm not trying to say that, like, I'm, I'm saying um, that it could be used to... Uh, you know, lessen the responsibility of the violence. I'm not saying yeah, that yeah, that's of what course. I'm saying that's, as a that's, propaganda That's person. how that is being used by many right-wing uh, YouTubers, right-wing uh, commentators. That's how that's how they frame it because, of course, usually uh, that type of group is linked to how they think that Rhee Man is such a perfect leader um, during that period. So it, it could be used like mm. that, that they were trying to protect the country. Mm. And and another reason that it may be so controversial here is the fact that the island has worked so hard to distance themselves from being yes. called commies yes. and exactly. from being called a red and island. I think it's that's... Still, it's still ongoing. Well, yeah. oh, the recent yeah. bullying scandal, right? Mm. With Yoon's former uh, colleague, he President recently Yoon, resigned yeah. 
from um, what is the position that he had? I can't think it off the top of my head. Um, where is it? I have it on my notes. I think it. Oh, Chung Sun Shin. He was alongside President uh, Yoon Suk Yeol in the uh, pu public prosecution's office. And he resigned recently after being appointed to the head the P uh, the police's national office investigation over his son bullying a Jeju res a Jeju student in high school at a prestigious dormitory, and he was calling him a commie, and mm. he was calling him a Jeju pig, but also a commie, which is sort of kind of like connected to this issue because it. J Jeju people have been, you know, called that, and that term has been used until like 2000 to belittle and to prevent Jeju people from really actually participating in society. I've known people mm. who had to move to the mainland to escape th uh, their association with Jeju, and they had to pretend that they weren't from here yeah. just in order to get jobs, and they were still hounded by police who found mm. out who they, right? Just because... Their criminal history, yeah. Exactly. So I think that is an, one of the reasons why the local people would be upset about, again, being connected to... Uh, for this issue to again be connected to communism and to North Korea. Right. It has been a long struggle. And I think it also, it was interesting how the families were citing what the president himself promised to the Jeju people a year ago. He said that he will work his best to make sure that the Jeju people are not defamed uh, or by distorted history. Mm -hmm. And that's why he visited Jeju at the time. And I think that's why, uh, because they know um, how much struggle that the Jeju uh, residents have gone through in the past decades. Um, and from political calculation, People Power Party knows this. And uh, because they need the votes, I think that's why the even the conservative um, the most conservative lawmakers in that party, like Chung Jin Sok, they were drawing a line between Congressman Tae and them, saying that this is not mm. a party line. You have to be more careful. We will do our best following Yoon's um, instruction to make sure that people are not defamed. Right. And so then to kind of wrap that, to, to go back to what you first said uh, about the election was yesterday, today? Yesterday. Yesterday. So what was the result of that? He won. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, interesting because it was him. My first reaction when I heard this was I wanted to know if he had extra uh, like information. We didn't. Mm. I was also curious mm. because he it didn't seem like he, he crafted a lie. It mm -hmm. seemed like he actually believed and wanted to apologize. And that's what struck me as very interesting. And I would love to know more what he has been taught in North Korea, if that's the case, I would love to interview him right. um, to figure out what what kind of inf pieces of information that led to the conclusion. Um, he was citing some parts of history that he learned um, in North Korea and knows uh, from what he learned in South Korea, as well as citing some of the uh, close Kim Il-sung aides at the time and how some of them defected back to North Korea and they were considered loyal, um, considered uh, martyrs, they were hero heroified in North Korea. Um, but then so far, I couldn't see like hard evidence um, to support um, his main claim. Um, yeah, he said four people, I believe. Four people <laughs> defected, w went back on North Korean boats mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I I'm only familiar with one person who went back, and that's Kim Kim Dal Sam, who is the leader of the 
the uprising on that day, and he died in on fighting for North Korea uh, during the Korean War. But like, I I don't know how he got back there, and all of a sudden mm. there's three other people that three other people that potentially went back on some sort of North Korean boat yeah. from mm. where. Where did the, like? There's just a lot of questions that I would like to ask him about about that. He'd be fun to have on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. also thought part part of your article was really interesting because it did you did bring up that even in South Korea in the textbooks in South Korea it was only amended and I can't quote the year because my memory is horrible but mm. South Korea textbooks were only amended not so long ago so it does seem plausible that what was being taught in North Korea may, maybe it's not so far-fetched right maybe, if I, maybe. I'm, I'm scared to ask my dad about it because probably the older generations in South Korea were also taught that it was a communist uprising um, it, yeah. was, it was it was it was count. It was noted as um, communist-linked uprising for for decades, and then after democratization, they they dropped it. But it was still mentioned as uprising. But it was only amended just a few years ago when the um, textbooks were decentralized. Uh, right. But there are currently movements to change some parts of the textbooks back. Um, so that's a space to keep an eye on as well, because there's a lot of other histories in, in South Korea and modern contemporary era that's going to be involved in that kind of changes. Um, that was yeah. recently that that recently was up for debate, too, about mm -hmm. the, the inclusion of Sasam in the history textbooks. And I believe uh, Yoon's administration decided to keep it as is for now. But mm -hmm. I mean, it could still change. So what do you think this says about the current state of 4-3, the fact that this scandal happened? I think it shows how little Koreans know about it. Yes. Um, I'm, I also feel guilty about it because I only learned about Jeju Sasam in college because my professors were really into memory politics and some of them are academics that study the Jeju Sasan and because I was in Asian studies, I got to luckily learn about that. Mm. And not just that, but also Nogunri incidents and other um, red baiting um, uh, massacres, small and big massacres during the state building period on the Korean Peninsula. And I personally have um, experience hearing about this from my grandma. Um, who was also almost who almost became the victim of red baiting um, at the time because it was really unclear who's who. Um, so it's a real like part of the history for everybody, but then we don't get to learn the details. And I could see from the like replies to the incident of Congressman Tae's remark that everybody has different ideas about what this is. Some people don't even really know about this. Um, and also matched with lack of knowledge and sensitivity, political sensitivity, yes. it's, a, it's, it's a great recipe for disaster. It's, um, it's very prone to being used one way or another every time there's a political event. Um, and every time that happens, residents of Jeju will face the struggle. Um, so I think way forward would be to be able to teach the full detail of the investigation as much Agreed. as possible for the Agreed. for the younger generations Agreed. before it gets distorted and then handed down to history. Yeah. On one hand, I guess that's a good reason for the Jeju Families Association to constantly be on guard and ready to 
come back up against something like this. You know, mm. they hear it, they make a stand, they go and protest, you know. So on one hand, they really need to be diligent. Um, I believe that's the main function of those yeah. those associations. Yeah. Talking to Young Kiang, the author of Sunni Samchong recently, he was saying, I asked him about that same question I asked you, what do you think of the state of Sasam? And he said it's going to go up and down. It's going to be tugged right. back and forth based on the political control of the you know, of of the country. But as long as those associations are there to stand guard, the yes. truth will be, will be, will be kept, will be saved. Right. Yeah. So uh, do you also have, mm-hmm. just, yeah, just final thoughts from me. I think it's also important for education purposes. I think it's important that an administration, especially not just particularly unit administration, but any South Korean administration, I think it's important to teach the younger generations that history during the state building period or just right now contemporary it's not black and white it's there are a lot of uncertainties going on it's not just about learning bullet points one two three four five that happened this year there is a lot of different dynamics that that work in a different way at certain era so if you look back at incidents like Cheju or Nogunmi too, from today's perspective, it's very easy to distort and remember the distorted versions. So I think it's important for the history um, education to remain subtle and nuanced as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think administration should really work hard to do that, I think. Seems a long time coming, you know? Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's why I think these next couple of years are actually really important to speak to as many survivors as possible. Exactly, yeah. Oh. Because I, yes. we don't have that much time left, right? But mm. So thank you very much for being on our show. If you ever do get to interview Tay, we have to have you come back on again to tell us how oh that goes. Oh, my gosh. That would be interesting, yeah. And in the meanwhile, I'm planning to baseline some of the North Korean state media. That's what I do, North Korean state media, to figure out if they actually did mention Jeju Sasam and those people um, that Congressman Tay mentioned, if they are, how they are, how are they using it these days to um, frame the history? I think that will also be important to cross-check um, some of the things that are being said. Yeah, you have a really interesting job, and I do want to encourage our listeners to check out your Twitter because it's really fascinating. Just not only can we see pictures of your cats, but we, uh, you know, just going through your Twitter wall um, and just seeing all the, like the little things. Like I really enjoy not in, uh, enjoyed is I find it very interesting your knowledge like um, with the daughter right now. That was a really a lot of interesting articles and a lot of interesting comments and your comments about uh, the daughter coming into play with this. And ceremony and yeah. Anyways, I encourage all our listeners to go check out your Twitter. Thank it's you. really interesting. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. have a link to it in the the show notes for everybody. Absolutely. Thank you, thank yeah. you. That's so generous of you. <laughs> it's the, it's the least we could do. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. Wow, that was one heck of an interview. Yeah. Yeah, I hope we can have her on again uh, in I, the future. Absolutely. I bet she she just has so much so much to talk about. Her job is fascinating. And very and then, eloquent, I found. Like yes, yes. Quite well, as opposed to mm-hmm. me, who I felt like was just like, <laughs> bleh, just couldn't oh, get the information out us. correctly. At the Both time. of us, you know, like yeah. stumble over our words. But mm-hmm. yeah, she says it very clearly in it. Yeah, that was great. I I think so much to talk to her about, about just random things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully, I'm, yeah. 
And please follow her on Twitter. And, uh, you know, well, she got really I, great information there. Right. As I referenced numerous times, I think in that interview, um, I follow her on Twitter and she's my main, one of my main sources of information just on really fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and her her handle is just uh, at Jungmin Kim. No space. Mm-hmm. G-O-N-G-M-I-N-N Kim. And uh, she's great. We'll post, she's, a, we'll post a link lots, to that as well. Yeah. Lots of great information mm-hmm. there. Um, and that's been uh, our, our episode back, thankfully. Yeah. Our episode back. And so having said that we, Daryl and I, we are back and, but we, we do, it is a lot of work to do a podcast. We're not, Mm. Daryl is the producer. He's the editor. He's, you know, the Mm -hmm. co-host and, uh, I'm, you know, I don't know what my title is, but then I am, (laughs) but no matter what it it takes a lot of work. Um, so, and this is all just done. This is like our passion project. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. passion project. We are currently looking for a little bit of help because it is it's overwhelming. We would mm. love if there's any of our listeners or a couple of our listeners, we want to mm. create more of a team that wants to be part of this this project. Mm. Um, and specifically, we're looking for help with our social media. I <laughs> yeah. think Daryl and I, we both I liked Instagram and so I had until I had mm. to like be in charge or um do so much for the podcast and then I became I really started disliking it so much (laughs) but it's an it's an important tool to communicate and Mm -hmm. to spread information and our you know so we're really looking for help um to create a team with our social Mm -hmm. media um any graphic artists anyone that's you know thinks they're really good at posting and and can be responsible and help us Mm -hmm. take on um a little bit additional work so please Give us a ringing ding ding. If you're interested in wanting yeah, to like, you know, yeah. advance your skills and get yeah. like learn some things, because it's yeah. I've learned a lot from doing this, but it's just a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. And just but us. It, I think if we spread it out, right. it's not so much and it could be yeah. fun and we could have a community, yeah. a team. It would be great. And we yeah. do get a lot of recognition for this podcast. So your work would be, you know, whatever, mm. whatever work you do would be credited. I know we're mm. kind of like kind of pushing it, but it would be credited. <laughs> your work would be credited. It can go on your resumes, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And like I said, we do get a lot of reg- recognition in the, mm. well, all over, not just Jeju. We get a lot of recognition on the, you know, from the mainland and in the government sure. as well. I've, you know, I've been invited to take part in several things because of this podcast. So um, anyways, if anyone yeah. feels like they might have something to offer and could maybe jump on a team with us, just give one of us a shout or message yeah. our page or anything really. Yeah. Instagram or Facebook. Uh, you can contact us as we have an email as well, which is, you know, me, you and me, you and Jeju at gmail.com. Um, but, um, we look forward to hearing from you. If you also have questions, thoughts, concerns, hopes, dreams, Always. worries, fears, <laughs> you can email them there too. <laughs> Not too much. Don't share too much with us. We don't need all that. <laughs> share everything. I want to know. We don't, need all, know we, we, we don't need all your hopes and dreams. But uh, if you got questions or you want to talk to us about anything about Jeju, we are yeah. here for you. All right. And until all right. next time. Ciao. Ciao.